Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's your boy, TBC, on the Jokes and Jocks podcast, episode four, with my co host, E. Hey, Wiley, your favorite blazer. Oh, yeah. And coming live. From Hollywood, a special guest, one of my homies from way back in the day, Cal Berkeley, my brother, Solomon Hughes. What's good? What's good? Go Bears. Go Bears. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So, you know, obviously this has been a probably a, an exciting couple weeks for you, uh, you know, being in that new show, uh, the winning time, uh, the, 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 the dynasty of the... Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, my brother is playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you haven't already heard. Um, what has that been like for you in, in a nutshell? Man, it's been, I, I, I've been joking that it feels like somebody slipped something, something into my drink in 2019. <laughs> and I'm just coming to. But it's been wild, man. I mean, you know, obviously Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as a person, you know, as a black man, as an athlete, just – He's a monumental figure. And so, you know, when I think of the jobs that could serve as the introduction into the, the, the business of, of, of acting, it's like, man, I, it, it, I, I couldn't have dreamt this up. Right. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it's been surreal. And, and, you know, now we're in the phase of, of, of things where we're, where people are starting to see the show and we get to go out and talk to, the press about it and, and essentially serve as ambassadors because, you know, uh, from Adam McKay, the executive producer to Max Bornstein, to Rodney Barnes, to all the crew, all the cast, people really stepped up and did their thing. So I'm really excited for people to see the show, see the performances, and also generally just take a trip back to the eighties to this really dynamic time when sports and entertainment were, uh, were, were, were coming together and really changing the way we think about and look at sports. Right. Yeah. Solomon, I have a quick question. You mentioned, um, sorry, you mentioned, uh, Adam McKay. He, he has directed every classic that I love, um, from Mm -hmm. the big short to so many others. And, um, I just want to know what was it like working with Adam McKay? Because he's gotta be just a genius. Oh my gosh, Adam, you know, Adam, what I love about Adam is he's brilliant and he's an incredibly hard worker. So, you know, when you're with him, that he's done the research, he's done the reading, he's well-prepared. And he's also just, you know, when, when you think he's, he has just such a fascinating life, like arc in terms of the things that he's been exposed to, the things that he's been a fan of. I mean, he's a, he's an enormous basketball fan. He was telling me that when he, uh, he was in Chicago years ago. He would um, find a way to get into games to see, I think it was Kevin Garnett. When Kevin Garnett was in high school and everybody was talking about him going to the NBA, Adam and, 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 one, and some of his boys would find ways to get to these games um, just because he's such a huge fan of the game. But yeah, I mean, overall, I'm like you in that I'm a huge fan of everything that he has contributed to this world. Um, when I When I first got the opportunity to audition. I did the self-tape first and then they flew me down and I did the, the in-person audition, which was incredibly rigorous. But, but with that, Adam, I just feel like he, he you know, the, the people that he surrounds himself with, it's, uh, 
they expect a lot from you, right? But they're also they're also they're also very encouraging. And so, um, so we, I actually told Adam uh, after I got the part that when I just got the call that I was going to get to audition in person, I was just psyched to meet Adam McKay. And um, so, yeah, you know, he's I, I feel like he's just he's great. He's bold. I feel like, you know, I always say he's one of those frontline people who's going to call it like it is. And he's not going to shy away from material that that challenges us and kind of uh, um, um, gets past the superficial level of, of how we look and think about things. Um, but yeah, it, it was, you know, again, in Adam, in Adam was just the beginning because he surrounds himself with exceptional people. I mean, Kevin Messick, Scott Stevens, these are people who produced Succession as well, which is also an incredible show. So mm. yeah, it, it, it's, it's been an incredible experience. I mean, it's probably made you, I mean, you know, you, you're, this is your first time in a big acting gig or at, right. any acting gig, right. especially at this capacity. Um, yeah. So you probably just by working with those names you mentioned and Adam, you probably, you know, became a better actor just, you know, off of that alone. And what oh, I want to ask was, mm. um, and you're doing a great job, by the way. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate what, it. How did this, uh, how did this come about? I know you said you got the call, but did, did yeah. you apply for this or was this just, uh, you know, yeah. like, like how did this all go down? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was one of those just, uh, you know, I, I absolutely feel like God was working in how all these things came together. But essentially, in summary, a casting agent uh, was part of essentially what was a global search for someone to play Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, and totally, I'm not sure if you remember this person, but Francisco Elson, who played at Cal, oh, yeah. played basketball. Yeah, so Francisco Elson, who lives in the Netherlands, this casting agent had reached out to him. Francisco Elson played at Cal, played in the NBA, won a world championship with the San Antonio Spurs, um, is a, basically a, a national hero in the Netherlands. And a casting agent reached out to Francisco. And Francisco wasn't interested in auditioning, but mentioned my name. Wow. And, um, and so the casting agent reached out to me and uh, actually, it was it was the casting agent and Robbie Jones, who's also a, another former Cal athlete, yep. who's been acting Robbie. for yeah for twenty years. Has had a wonderful career. Was a lead in the Tyler Perry film, and in 2019 was a lead in the film with Jim Gaffigan, where he absolutely killed it. Um, he, and so 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 essentially, Robbie reached out, letting me know that Francisco had mentioned my name, um, and that I was going to get uh, I was going to get some sides and get the opportunity to audition. And 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 I and I. What I what I what I've been telling folks is that it's like you, you. When I graduated from Cal, because of I because of what I saw Robbie doing, I definitely had an interest in the field of acting. And so when I moved down to LA, I had two interests. I was going to train for a professional basketball career, but I was also very interested in figuring out what opportunities there might be in the industry. Um, and 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 even even before that, I grew up in a family where. Uh, I, there were a number of family members, distant relatives that I looked up to who were, who were performers, musicians, actors. So Ethel Ayler, who was a Broadway actress and also was uh, portrayed uh, Claire Huxtable's mother on The Cosby Show. Growing up, I knew that that was a relative. Her grandfather and my great-great-grandfather were brothers. And so my mother would always tell us when we were watching The Cosby Show, that's your relative, that's your relative. So I felt like there was this familial connection. And so it didn't make this space seem that far away. But being 6'10", being athletic and, and playing ball, I feel like, you know, so much of my life was just kind of focused on that one avenue. But the reality is I was a huge fan of film and TV. You know, one of the things I, I tell people, one of the things that I loved about the DVD era 
was being able to listen to the director's commentary because I was just fascinated with how things came together. And it was often the case that I listened to the commentary more than I actually watched the film, right? And so, so I've always been a huge fan of film and TV, but um, but there just hadn't hadn't been any opportunities. You know, I, I I was I went as far as like looking on Craigslist just seeing if there were like local auditions for anything. I, I would send my my photos in to different agents uh, or, or casting agencies. Um, and, and really nothing was coming my way. I, you know, I was working in education at the time, so I had a nine to five, so I wasn't like stressed. I wasn't, I wasn't like the folk who are pursuing acting in a way where like everything, like, uh, everything essentially rests on whether or not they're getting another gig. So I was working in education, but was always keeping my eye open. And so when this came my way, I tell people, I was just happy to get the opportunity to do audition because at the very least I was going to get feedback. Right. And then I was, I'm the kind of person that learned, I'm going to take feedback and I'm going to learn from it. Right. But I was just, I just was through the roof enthusiastic about auditioning. So I did the self tape. Robbie Jones was super instrumental. He read with me. And then I got the call that they're going to fly me down for an in-person. And I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. This is getting real. Right. And so, and, but, but like I said earlier, it was a part of me that was just psyched, not just psyched. I was very psyched to meet Adam McKay. And I was just taking it as it comes. I'm like, you know, I'm just living this day by day and we'll see how far this goes. Um, and so they flew me down to LA and I did an in-person audition at LA Center Studios. Max Bornstein, the showrunner and executive producer, Kevin, Kevin Messick was there, Adam McKay. I mean, it was, it was, it was wild. And I, I you know, I approached it. I had really great talks with Robbie about, you know, how you approach auditions and essentially until I know you can relate to this when you're, when you walk through that tunnel, you're locked in, right? You, yeah. you got people screaming it, but you got to be locked in. And so I just went in, I mean, I, I, I knew the lines backwards and forwards. Like if there was anything that I was going to do, I was not going to mess up my lines. Like it was, this was, this was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to master everything that I can and just let everything else happen. That's going to happen that I'm, that I don't have any control of. And so, yeah, I mean, they put me through the ringer, like multiple, like I was there for an hour and a half and, uh, you know, did did two scenes. We did the airplane scene. So there was the comedic stuff. And then we did a scene where Magic and Kareem are talking about the sky hook. It's a beautiful scene. And we did those things over and over and over, changing the intonation, changing the step, you know. And then and then at the, after we'd done that for an hour, they had us do some improv, which I wasn't necessarily prepared for. But um, I just, again, it was one of those things where I was like, just you have nothing to lose just throw it out there and so i just put it all out there and uh and when i was leaving francine meisler who man is just a, a genius um uh casting director uh so i was walking out she said solomon i just want you to know you did a really good job and the other thing that, that happened that was really really cool and just really just helped me um just reminded me and gave me confidence that i was like i was not totally uh you know it, um what am I trying to say? That that that, that I was I, I was onto something. Adam McKay said at the end of the audition, he said, "Solomon, so you're telling me you've never taken an acting class?" And I said, "I said no." You know, there was, there was a class I took in college that was like it was speak it was speaking and acting, right? But it was like it wasn't very intensive. And I said, "No," you know. And he said, "He said you got some talent." And so it's like one of those things you hear that right, and it's just like, bro, that just makes me want to work harder. And so so yeah. So all that to say, a week later, I found out that I got the part and was, man, then it was go time. So, Wow. So did they have you read the entire script or was it just kind of some of the, uh, no, the initial no. episodes that you had? Yeah, down? just, just, the, just uh, one scene from the pilot in the airplane and then another scene that, that shows up later in the episode. Yeah, so I didn't read the entire script. 
which was a trip because when I finally did read the script, I was like, man, it was like, I, I knew it was going to be something special because of the people who were associated with it. But when I saw the pilot, who boy, as someone who grew up in Southern California, who was an enormous Lakers fan, who was an even bigger Kareem fan, this was just like, man, what is happening? It was, it was absolutely crazy. Huh, that's unreal, man. Well, you're doing a great yeah. job. The, I just watched the second episode yesterday, and that that scene where you're out on the on the uh, the patio or the backyard, and you're just kind of zenning out. I mean, you really embodied. Uh, you know, you, it really felt like because the first scene, it's like I was just shocked to see you. I mean, I knew you were going to be in it, but I was like, all right, let me see what kind of chop Solomon got. Right? But it was more of like a comedic scene. Right, uh, right, 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 but then right. that second scene, because, you, you know, not, they haven't really shown you a lot. And I know that you're going to get more uh, as, as the show goes along. But that scene from when you're out by the pool, man, you really just that that stoic look that, you know, that you know, only Kareem can really embody. You embodied him, man. So you thank know, you. Appreciate good job it, on that, bro. Yeah, thank you. No, I, I'm I'm obsessed, Salman, with this show, man. And it's like, but <laughs> it's like you said, the the cast, the directors, the whole entire crew that you have, and then let's put you on top of that, right? Like that they actually casted athletes, they actually casted somebody that um, you know knows the game and can. They don't have to really truly coach or anything like that. And you are very not. I actually didn't think that, I thought you did have acting lessons. I was like, oh, maybe you took it as a minor or something at Cal, or maybe, you know, growing up in Carson, like growing up in LA, like, you know, everybody takes an acting class. I took an acting class. So I thought, I like legit thought that you were, yeah. you took acting classes. So, you know, good on you, man. You you yeah. are a natural when it comes to that. And it just shocked me, I, of course, and it just shocked me how you, uh, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass too much. No, it's like, I, na- yeah, yeah. I naturally, I'm like, I'm blown away um, at this information that you're, you didn't take any classes. Um, yeah. You seem like, and you seem like the nicest guy on the planet uh, just <laughs> meeting you for the first time. And so like, what was it like? Like, where, what mode did you have to get into? To cut? Because like, this Kareem character's a dick, man. He's not like, the nicest person on the planet. And I'm sure that you got to be that kind of way, you know, when you're an athlete, but like, you know, and playing college ball, playing professionally, yeah. you got to be a little kind of way, but like, how did you, you know, turn that corner? Cause you're obviously not a mean person. Yeah, for sure. No, I, you know, I, it's, it's one of, it's, it's one of the things that I love about the show is, well, or just working in TV is that you, you get 10 episodes to kind of spell out more of, of the pieces of their character. And so, um, it, it's, I think, you know, I have just admired Kareem for so long. And, and one of the things that I think really stands out to me about his experience that I feel like I can relate to in some, in some respects is, is I'm 6'10 and literally everywhere I go, someone has a question for me or someone, you know, how tall am I? Did you play in the NBA, et cetera. So there's always like, it's like even, and, I, and I'm the kind of person who's not, I'm not really trying to, I'm trying to be in the side of the room, right? Near the wall. I'm not trying to be in the center of the room, but I kind of get pulled in there because people are like just blown away by my height. And he's seven, two, right? Some people say seven, three. So, and, and, and incredibly recognizable, right? He's been someone who's been in the spotlight since he was in high school. I mean, when he was in New York, he was the next coming. And then he gets to UCLA and absolutely dominates college basketball. Right. And, and then obviously, again, in the NBA, at this point in the story, he's won five MVPs, right? He's won five MVPs. He's won a world championship with Oscar Robertson. He's taken incredibly um, um, 
strong political stances, right? With the boycott of the Olympics, by being a part of the Cleveland summit with Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, like he has put himself out there. And, um, And then he's also dealing with a sports media that is not diverse at all, that 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 refuses to see beyond his his incredible basketball skills right and and embrace him for just the thinker the activist the the uh just the, the political contributor that he is right and so i think there is i i, I can i i i feel like what helped me get into this place of frustration was thinking what would it have been like to be a conscious black man in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s when you're surrounded by a world of people who just only want to exist in the superficial, right? You know, in, in Kareem's books, he talks about what it was like to be, you know, to be coming of age when uh, those four little girls were blown to pieces in Birmingham, right? And Or, or, right. or, or Emmett Till, right? So it's like, you know, th- there are, there obviously are a, a, a number of injustices that we're, we're still grappling with today. Um, but but my, my father and Kareem are the same age and my dad grew up in the South. And one of the things that my dad talked about was at a very young age, right? Right now there's, there's debate over uh, police reform, abolition, et cetera, like whether or not police are on your side. My, well, my father says at that time, you knew for sure that they weren't on your side. Like there's, there, there wasn't right. such thing as justice for black folks. And so, you know, just trying to consider like this incredibly deep intellectual man, how he, uh, you know, like how he manages navigating this world where people want to just stay on the top layer. And so, 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 there, there, so there's part of like, I can only imagine, I, 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 can, I can somewhat imagine what it's like to always be, you know, like looked at or, or, or have someone approach you and answer. And I'm like, with him, I'm sure it was even more. And so I feel like just thinking of that, kind of getting into that place of being annoyed uh, was somewhat helpful. No, you could feel that resonating through it, you know, that you're, you're having to deal with those type of internal um, emotions and, and everything that was going on at the time. Obviously, this was after the civil rights era and, and early in the 80s. But, you know, there's still that that feeling and that, you know, to have that that kind of motive and agenda within Kareem, um, it's it's very telling in, in your in your character. Um, and what's really blows me away is the fact that you know, you're wearing an afro and like lamb chop beard, and I don't think I've ever seen you <laughs> in my life with a full beard. Right. So, so that right there is like a whole nother embodiment of, you know, hate to get on the comedic side from the serious note, but That's um, what is that? You know, just just to switch gears a little bit. Yeah. What has it been like working with John C. Riley and and uh, Quincy Isaiah, Jason Clark? Yeah. These guys, you know, I mean, we're seeing a lot of them in the early, um, the yeah. early episodes. But yeah. you know, John C. Riley, particularly, you know, I think he's doing a, like a tremendous job as Jerry. Right, Brown. right. That, that sure. guy is like, I mean, he he's definitely doing his yeah. thing. Um, Absolutely. What is that? What has that been like working with him? And and what is he like off <laughs> off camera? I mean, is he like a really like like spontaneous, eccentric type of guy, or does he take the job just as seriously as everyone else? Man, yeah, he is the consummate professional. Like, he's, he's, he's you know, I, I feel like this was, there was something that you guys said earlier that made me kind of think about and reflect about this this experience. I feel like when you think about just the, the breadth and the width of this cast, in addition to the cast, like everybody that they brought together, whether it's hair, makeup department, whether the camera, I mean, everybody has comes from like an award-winning background. And so... 
it was, and, and I know, I'm sure, I know you can relate to this. It's like one of those things where it's like you're stepping up on varsity and you have no other choice but to just completely consume yourself into, you know, contributing. And so, you know, I think obviously John and Quincy who are really holding it down, really just, and, and, and it's, it's wonderful because they're portraying two people who essentially this was their first year. This was Magic's first year and it was also Jerry Buss's first year as an owner. So it's these two rookies who are essentially in the process of changing the game. And um, I, I, I tell people, uh, Quincy Isaiah is the hardest working person in Hollywood because for us, when we weren't filming, we were doing basketball choreography and there were no off days. You know, I, I lost 30 pounds to get into like 80s basketball player body look, like body type. Um, because, you know, most people who are fans of the game know that it, in that era, strength training was not as uh, big a component of the game as it is now. Now people are just, you know, they, like the, the weight room is like key to success for people, especially who are playing down low. And so in that era, it wasn't so much. And so, um, so just like the physical transformation that a lot of us had to go through, um, in addition to obviously like, you know, you're getting thrown into scenes with these like incredible, brilliant actors and you just, you, you just got to show up. I mean that the scene. So, and the other thing is like the, the COVID break that we, that we experienced. So we shot the pilot in 2019 and then COVID happened. And so we basically just had to wait until they were able to get protocols in place to get us back into filming. And so we started filming again in 20. 21 april of 2021 um and and so in a lot of ways the second episode felt like the pilot for me and quincy and i we both have talked about this because you know this is our first professional job yeah. it was i think i think it was around like episode four or five where we started where you know it was I actually had a, a had dinner with one of the exe executive producers he's like solomon just relax bro like we're, we're not recasting you just relax because the more you relax, the better you're going to do it. I'm like, all right, all right. But you know, like, I think, you know, coming from a background where, especially having played, you know, a few years of pro ball where there's trap doors everywhere and there's nothing safe. Like I'm in that mindset, you know, first few weeks of a, of a filming. But, um, but yeah, it, it was, I, I just feel like, oh, the, the other thing I'll say is this, man. And, and I feel like this, this has fundamentally changed the way I approach things. Um, when you're talking about the people's cast, you're talking about Pulitzer Prize winners. Tracy Letts, uh, uh, you're talking about Oscar winners, you're talking about Emmy winners, et cetera. I, I've never experienced such an elite group of people that were both welcoming and generous with how much they shared about their, their lives, how much they shared about their experience as actors, how, how open they were to giving feedback. I mean, it was, it, 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 I mean, it was like one of those things where like, you know, you want to stay in your lane because you don't want to bother people. But man, I had people, uh, Stephen Gerges, who was also another Pulitzer winning, uh, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. Every time he saw me, how are you doing, Solomon? How are things going? How are you, you know? It, so it's just like, like I, I got welcomed into like an elite community and, and, and it, it only made me relax more and just really put myself into this part. That's awesome, man. So, so now, I mean, now that things are, are, are really going with the film, have you, have you been watching the, the episodes yourself and kind of critiquing uh, your own acting abilities and, yeah. and breaking down the show on your own? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, it's like, I, I feel like, you know, eps one and two, I was, there was, there was a, 
you can't be scared, right? You cannot carry that into a scene. You can't. You have to be completely available to your co-actors, right? And and there definitely was a part of me that was like walking in there with some trepidation. Um, and so, so I mean, I, I, I looking back and I'm like, I, I definitely remember that. You know, I definitely remember how I felt on that day. But you know, with that said, you know, again, I was surrounded by just brilliant minds who just were warm and welcoming and very encouraging. Um, and so, but yeah, and 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 that's the other thing is is the reality is with 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 uh, film and TV is the editors are going to make the final decisions on what's actually shown, right? So we, you know, you shoot a scene for half a day, and they're the ones that are deciding what's actually going to show. And and so uh, actually, I had a you know great another great insight from this business is like those people know what they're doing, and you don't have to worry about what happens, right? You do your best and just leave it up to them to figure out what they're going to put in to help push the story along and and get eyes on this project. Um, and so, so yeah, man, I mean, like I, I'm, I, I, I lean into learning and I feel like, you know, Wood Harris, who, who's also in the series and he shows up in, in at five and just does an incredible job. Wood Harris, you know, a famous HBO actor, famous film and TV actor. Remember the Titans, the wire. I am. I mean, when I found out that he was on the show, I, I almost burst into tears because I'm such an enormous Wood Harris fan. And, and he would always say, he said, Solomon, this is a masterclass. He was like, this is like your MFA on steroids, right? Like lean into the conversations, like get to know people, watch, listen, observe, like everything that's happening around you. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, man, like it was, it was, it was as rewarding and rigorous and enlightening as a, uh, an experience I've ever had. Wow. Wood Harris. I mean, I remember him in Above the Rim, man. I mean, man, right, bro. So we were talking, like, thinking about this brother's career. He works with Denzel. He works with Pac. Like, what? Like, man, and he's brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. Like, yeah, so. That's awesome, man. Qu- quick question about Quincy. How tall is is, is uh, Quincy Isaiah? Is he? Is I think he Quincy is, is six. Wait, how, how? I think Quincy's 6'3". I think that's. Okay. Yeah, they did a good job with that. Did, did he play basketball at some point too? So he basketball was his first love, but his mother, uh, he, the story he tells is his mom made him take an advanced math course that made it so he could only play football. So he ended up playing football. Um, but we, you know, the other thing is with, 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 with COVID, well, even before we shot the pilot, he'd been training for months with, with the likes of Rick Fox, Edon Robin, who, or Rick Fox, former Laker, and then Edon Robin, who's trained a number of NBA players. And I'll never forget the first time I saw him. We were I I'd come down to LA for a fitting, and they wanted us to do some uh, run through some real quick drills. I think at the men's gym in uh, on, on UCLA's campus, and I see him coming down the court warming up, and he does that that magic spin, and I'm like, "Oh, we're we're really doing this. We're not playing around. <laughs> like, okay, okay, this is real. Like, and I'm like, okay, I need to get right because I'm like, you know, I'm 40." Two years old. I'm like, yeah, I, I play every now and then recreationally, but I'm like, I got to get right. So that was that was cool to see. Yeah, we can't wait to see you in action, man. And, and speaking of action, I mean, we, we were talking, just switching gears real quick about Cal, you know, not making the NCAA yet again, and remembering, you know, back when you were in uh, in the NCAA tournament, I, I believe it was 2003 that you you, know, you played. We went. Uh, we went. Oh one. Is it 2000, 2001, 2001, 2002? So my, my junior and senior year. Right, right. And you were at uh, NC State. You guys won the first round. That was uh, – no, my, that was the year after me. The first round we beat Penn, and then we lost to Pittsburgh at their home court in Pittsburgh um, uh, my senior year. 
Oh, that's right. That's now. So, do you still keep in touch with a lot of those guys, like Sean Lampley and Joe Ship and and Dennis Gates and you know all our guys from from back in the day? Shout out to our Cal Cal guys. Man, you know I I do I I, I am like most in contact with uh, uh, folks like Shante Leggins, who's the head coach at the University of Portland, Brian Weathers, who's the head coach at Marietta Valley High School down in Southern California. But I mean, yeah, like, I, like I'm. I'm never too far out of touch with anybody that, that hooped. I talked with Anwar McQueen. We didn't play together, but, but I talked with him quite a bit. And then Ryan Foran Kelly, who's uh, one of the assistants with the Brooklyn Nets. So, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely keep in touch. You know as well, Tully, is like I felt like my, our peer group, when we were freshmen and sophomores, it was like as basketball players, it was the football guys. Because I don't know if you remember this, but our freshman year, they were rebuilding or they were they – were, um, they were not rebuilding. What am I trying to say? They were they were renovating Haas Pavilion. Yeah. So we were doing all of our training up at Memorial Stadium, and we had like little lockers in Memorial Stadium. So so much happened in and around football players. And the other thing is like when you're on Berkeley's campus, especially that year, because that was the year after uh, affirmative action was no longer the race was no longer they could no longer be considered as a factor when you're talking about admissions. So you're talking about the like the number of black admins just got halved. And so when we came in, it was like there was a, an, like an overrepresentation of athletes, particularly, you know, basketball and football. And like I always tell people, like it was football and basketball players. Like, you know, obviously there were more football players, but it was like that was like my peer group. Those are the folks that I, I like hung with. Um, so it's nice to stay in, touch, in contact with a lot of football folks as well. That's what's up, man. Well, yeah, I remember those were the golden days, man. We That's where it all began. A lot of us went, you know, different ways. A lot of us are successful. And it's just crazy to look back that that was – over 20 years ago. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. But uh, go Bears, man. Well, hey, we're at the point of the show where um, I'm going to wrap it up with a couple rapid-fire questions. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Just to, uh, to go ahead and get you uh, thinking, and then and then we'll go ahead and close out. But uh, yeah, appreciate you being on the show. And yeah. um, if you're ready, with no further ado, here we go. All right. Let's do it. Bird, would you rather be a bird or a fish? A flight. Bird. No doubt about it. Flight. Bird. Always. Okay. Sunrises or sunsets? Oof. That's good. That's really good. Uh, I got to go with sunrises. Joy comes in the morning. <laughs> I like Aww. Okay. Okay. Uh, cats or dogs? Ooh, I'm allergic <laughs> to cats. So no, no offense to cats, but I'm just allergic to them. So I got to go dogs. Dogs. Okay. Chocolate or vanilla? I'm pretty plain. I'm pretty plain. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with vanilla. Okay. Okay, Kareem. Uh, <laughs> favorite alcoholic <laughs> beverage? Ooh, uh, man, I I love a good cab. Good cab. Okay. What is my that? man, my <laughs> man. I love it. That's my favorite wine uh, grape varietal. By the way. <laughs> Nice. I like it. Okay, couple more tattoos or piercings. Man, you know, I, like I don't, I don't have either. I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit of a throwback. I don't have either. But if I had to go with one, I probably, probably tattoos because I feel like you know I've seen some pretty dope tattoos that say some really powerful things. So, okay, I feel it. Best fast food chain. Oof, is there such thing? Um, okay, I, so so I'm gonna say In and Out. But I feel like 
when we're talking about the realm of fast food, I, I'll say in and out, and I'll just leave it there. I'm not going to hate on anybody. Okay, and last one, burgers or fries? I'm going to go with fries. My man. And then the follow-up, the moment of truth. If you saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar right now, what would he say to you, and what would you say to him? I don't think Kareem would say anything to me. I would, you know, if he were open to listening, I would say, thank you for everything that you've done, brother, from, from, from day one. The stands you've taken that have emboldened and empowered us, I know, I would say thank you for modeling what it means to be more than just a basketball player. I would say thank you for the incredible work that you're doing with the Skyhook Foundation that is just, man, it's, it's, it's brilliantly bringing uh, the, the STEM fields to the realm of, 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 of students who are under, underserved. Um, so I would just say, man, thank you for like just the continued hard work to try to make this world a better place. Thank you, Kareem. You are a hero. I appreciate that. That's a great sentiment. Well, hey, I appreciate you being on the show, Solomon. This was a great episode. I, lo- I love what you're doing. I'm very proud of you. Uh, you know, I-, I can't say enough of how proud I am. And, and just, um, you know, we'll- we'll- we'd love to have you back some other time. But in the meantime, keep doing what you're doing. We'll look out for episode three and the rest of the season. And, um, and that's our show, folks. It's your I boy. appreciate you. It's your boy, TBC, G. Hey, Wiley, and now the man, Solomon Hughes, on the Jokes and Jocks podcast. Ha, ha, holla at your boy, and peace out. Should I hit him? Should I split him? Should I get him? You should just finish the roll with him, then I sit him down. Get up now. Put it down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.